buddy Chris Swinson. Check Swinson, that. keep that in there. No way. Keep that in there. Do <laughs> not edit that out. He said Chris Whatever. Swinson. Leave Swanson. it. <laughs> this <laughs> is episode six. We are smoked <laughs> with excitement. Yeah. Chris Swanson shifts. Episode six. What is wrong with him today? Man. He's like me on our call in New York the other day. That's true. Swinson. No, I ain't that bad. <laughs> no, here's your call in New York. <laughs> Somebody check Ken's pulse. I was asleep and had a cold. That Man, was, we're talking that was... to like one of our biggest corporate sponsors at 7.30 morning, and you bring somebody from California over, and he was asleep at 7.30 <laughs> I was not in asleep. front of a thousand people around the world. <laughs> Adam, was I asleep? Man, oh, some girl on, kicked man. you under the table to make sure you're at you're awake. <laughs> that part I will never get over. That's um, yes. Ken K here, Free Hugs Project, and we've got a special guest today. I will let you intro our guest, but he just gave me this really cool book, and so I'm kind of excited about that. Well, he's got talent, man. This is Nick Gregory. Yep. He's a vice principal at a local school in Oakland County. And uh, I think the cool thing about it is, uh, you know, you got Luke and Taylor behind the scenes. Yes. We always rip on Luke. He's easy material. <laughs> Every day. But yeah. you were Luke and Taylor's teacher. Back in the day. Yeah, wow. I wow. was. It's been a little while, but I had uh, both of them uh, in class, uh, TV production class, yeah. of all things. So. And you said Luke had talent and uh, Taylor was just uh, a, just a free bird. He just, yeah. just needled Taylor people. was kind of marching to the beat of his own drummer, I would say. And then but, look at look at him now. It was either success I, he, or prison. One he, of the gre- two. he he oh, greeted man. me at the door, and I said, "I don't know who is this guy." Exactly. So, Wait. So when I just when I walked in a moment ago, and I said, "You know, you're looking pretty dapper today." Did you get dressed up because your teacher was coming here? Is that what no. happened? Oh, I always dress. Yeah, he really? always dresses. Good. He's probably yes. on point most of the time. Dude, I've never really? seen him in the same shoes twice. Yeah. I know those are some fly shoes. Yeah, I, I saw. Yeah, I can so, see that. Okay, cool, cool. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll give him that good, much. Good yeah. work, man. He, good work. He's bringing his A game. That's probably the regular. Awesome. So throughout your, you started teaching in 2000, and fast forward, you have a skill set where you use to tell a story, and uh, that story is why you're here because black and blue is a platform where we talk about things that people don't know about that want to know. So when we talk about redlining, in yeah. a, in a community, most people don't know what that means. So yeah. What no. does that mean? Yeah, I'll tell you, I learned uh, firsthand what that meant in terms of just meeting people. Um, for me in the city of Detroit, um, I had picked up a book. I'm a really curious person. Get that from my mom. And I was reading about all these things from Detroit and the history of Detroit. And I thought, this is crazy. I've been I'm public school educated, got a, an advanced degree in the state of Michigan. In this city, right down the, right down the road, I know nothing about mm. And so when I heard this term redlining, I started reading more about it. I thought, I got to go see these places. I got to go figure out where these places are right now, what this looks like. And so I just started driving down uh, to Detroit uh, with a camera and just started just wandering around, really just seeing whatever I could see. And uh, the more I read and the more I learned um, through talking to people and just getting out of my car and just walking up to people. And, and, you know, the, the Burwood Wall was one of the first places I went, this wall that separated black and white neighborhood. Um, that's this wall here. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, I walked along in, in that park and that's in a park and I found these houses along uh, that street with that wall in their backyard and I just went up and knocked on doors and um, you know, found some people who had lived there, some, some people who are a little bit older who had lived there the entire time since this neighborhood was built. I said, tell me, tell me about this. What, so you know. tell us about redlining and the wall. Yeah, so, so essentially that, in this particular case, that wall was built to separate um, black and white neighborhoods pretty much so that they could determine how they could uh, you know, get federal loans out for, for housing developments. Wow. 
And you know, in what year was that? So this would have been, uh, gosh, in the in the forties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the way up through the fifties, sixties. I mean, this went on for you know. Some people would argue this has gone on continuously, maybe in some informal ways, mm-hmm. even even today. Yeah. Uh, but this went on for a long time, and, and one woman I, I met, and it's been a while. It's been ten years since I've been doing since I did this project. Um, she would, she was telling me a story of how her husband had served in World War II. This is a, a, a black woman, her her husband who was black, and he had served in the military and came back, and they would go look to 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 have a house in Detroit. And she was explaining to me that experience of going to open houses. Mm-hmm. And she said the worst part of it was it wasn't that people were outwardly mean or said rude things. They just pretended she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. She was invisible. Wow. And she was telling me these stories, and I thought, what in the way? She said, just invisible. It's hard to even conceive that Can't these even, days. Not, yeah. not for people of color. It, it, we know that situation often. So yeah, yeah. so uh, it was eye opening for me. It, yeah. What it really told me was how much I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I. Uh, it, it, she was explaining to me, and, and she really sparked my interest um, in trying to dig a little deeper. So then, then it became okay. Now I'm meeting folks, uh, you know, in in Detroit in this case, and talking to them about their own experience. Um, you know, what else is out there? Yeah. So it, it really, it runs the gamut. I mean, it's it's tearing down neighborhoods to build freeways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know with, under the guise of urban renewal, um, it, it, it's a lot of those different types of things. Yeah, who built the walls, and how how many miles of walls were there? Did you find? So this particular wall, you know, I should have done my research before coming up here because it's been eight or nine years. But this particular wall is about six foot high. I think it's probably about a mile long. Um, if you were to go there now, besides this uh, part that has uh, artistic murals on it, it just looks like a basic six-foot wall you'd have in your backyard, um, or that you know that might exist in some neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 building of it, as I understand it, or if I if I'm recalling it correctly, a lot of it had to do with the developers working with local governments to establish these areas, these redlined areas, or these sectioned-off areas. Uh, essentially so they could you know find what they felt were safer ways to distribute home loans mortgages Mm -hmm. Um, you know and I know it goes a lot deeper than that one of the really interesting things uh, in this neighborhood um, nearby here I had met some folks and they were explaining to me when they built a school nearby and she said look over there and she pointed over to this big you know relatively big window at the school and she said that was the entryway, but people didn't want that entryway facing our neighborhood. Mm. Wow! And this was this was a mostly white school at the time. She said so. They 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 went through the effort to actually block up those that, those doors and turn them into to smaller windows, move the entryway and the flagpole to the other side of the building. Wow! And so you start hearing these things, and for me it was more, man, there's just so much I don't know, yeah. you know. And it started with with a person telling me that how invisible they felt and how they were treated. So let me pause right there. Ken, we love talking about these topics because I made a comment that that's hard for me to even conceive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, you responded, not for people of color. What does yeah. that mean in today's time? Yeah, uh, I mean, of course, I can only relate to my own personal experiences, but there's there's times where it's deliberate, where you go into places and you feel like you're not even acknowledged because people may look at you and feel like this person doesn't even have the money to 
even do something. Remember when I told you the story of when you asked me why I wear a Rolex? Yes. And I told you about how this person saw me yeah. even when I was just this poor kid, literally living in a homeless shelter. You could tell I didn't have much, but I would stand in that window. And, the and then watch. the guy came over and he said, you should try it on. And I was like, no, no, no. And I, and I didn't want to, right? He saw me in that moment. But then there's times where I actually had money and I'll go into places and I'm telling my wife, we're obviously being ignored right now because of our skin color right no other reason thinking would that cause your color me. would mean you don't have the funds to do yeah that i don't have the resources, resources to purchase that car purchase yeah. that home why is this person even here right and sometimes uh when i talk about uh areas where it may not be happening but but it triggers that yeah. um goes all the way up to even last night what? And my son can attest to this. Um, Scrunch, remember when we were checking into the hotel yesterday? Uh, this is the hotel right over by your house. Remember how long the girl was on the phone and didn't even acknowledge us? And so we stood there for about 10 minutes. She didn't greet us when we walked in. She didn't acknowledge us. She just stayed on the phone for about 10 minutes. We saw you last at about, what, almost 11 o'clock last yeah. night, right? So if you see two people carrying all this luggage, right? a father and a son, right? the least that you do is maybe greet, maybe one tell, second. yep, one yeah, sec, exactly. maybe tell the person yes. after you've been on the phone yes. 10 minutes, you know what, can I place you on hold yes. for a moment? Let me check in this guest. There was none of that, right? So after about 10 minutes, I think we're about to go on to 15 minutes at this point. I log on to the app on the thing. I try and do the mobile check-in so I could just get the mobile key to check into the room. And finally, by that point, you know, as a dad, I've got my son out here. It's cold. Finally, I was like, you know what? Because um, she was still on the phone. Come Literally on. didn't even greet us. Was she talking about anything that, was, that mattered? Like, what was she talking about? Could you tell? She, I guess there was a, a person who didn't receive an email okay. that supposedly the hotel sent to them. Okay. And so they're going back and forth. But one, it shouldn't have taken 15 exactly. minutes. Two, you should have at least said, um, exactly. one moment, I'm, getting I'm just going to so check in this guest. it had to grab her attention. It wasn't like that, you know, there was an emergency. Yeah. She but it chose not to. But it's in those moments mm -hmm. that as a black male that I start wondering right. if Adam was the guy checking in right now, would she have done that? If Luke was checking in, if either of you guys were checking in, yeah. would she have done that? But as a black male, right? And so whether that's what was happening or not, that's what immediately goes, goes yeah. to my mind, right? It's the perception yeah. that I have in the way that I'm feeling. So now by then, now my first interaction with her is with a tone where I said, look, I'm trying to do this mobile check-in thing. It's not working. Can you just push that through so I can go to my room? And then she's like, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Um, can I place you on hold? So you had to interrupt her. I had to interrupt her rudely, <laughs> rudely, just for acknowledgement. Right. And so there's times like that where the example that you just gave of uh -huh. her saying what's worse is that they just treat us like we're not there. That still happens today. Right. And so whether it was deliberate, I mean, sure, the, the girl could have just been so caught up in that right. dialogue but perception, but it's how I, it made me feel. And you know what? Let's let's expand that. It could be <clears throat> a female in a male dominant environment mm -hmm. that because somebody's a female, they don't matter, or somebody, maybe a kid yep. in an older environment, when people feel invisible, yeah. think of the, the, the ripple effect that that has. I mean, you see that in school. There's yes. kids in school that feel like nobody even knows them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll, right now, especially, um, this is 
just such a, a tough time. A lot of our, our students are in crisis. A lot of our families are, are, are really struggling. More than ever since 2000? Without question. Yeah. And there's a different feel in schools. I, I talk to a lot of my colleagues. I talk to friends in, in other schools. I know in my own experience, it's different. Mm -hmm. there, there's just something different. And one of the things that, and this is a daily type of situation, it is trying to connect with students and, and connect to that community of school. Yeah. And people saying very similar things about feeling invisible, not feeling connected, um, you know, struggling with conflict resolution. I mean, all of these these sorts of things are, are becoming really front and center. <clears throat> yeah. Without, without so what's help. without tell, naming the school, what's yep. the racial makeup of your school? Uh, mostly white. I would say 15 uh, percent or so that is non-white, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe 18 percent non-white. So you know, eight to nine percent black African American, um, you know, maybe the rest Hispanic, yeah. you know, just, you know, biracial, lots mm -hmm. of different uh, makeup, but probably 85 percent white in mm -hmm. my particular. Do you have school. a number of race related issues in the school or are they issues that are beyond race and have to do with addictions and, and depression? All of and the suicide? above. Okay. Um, and I'll be really honest and transparent. I, I work in an awesome building and my administrative team and our staff is awesome. And one of the things that we're we're coming to some to grips with is some honesty about we do have a lot of uh, frustration and situations that revolve around race, mm -hmm. um, you know. And we're we're kind of now understanding we need to acknowledge that and we need to. Um, what does acknowledging that. that mean? That, that's it's that's a great really subjective. Question. Yeah, that is. Um, I think it's a really good question. I I think number one, what it means is being aware. And, and being honest about we don't know a lot. I don't, there's a lot more that I don't know than what I do know. So mm -hmm. really understanding other people's experience, um, opening my heart, opening my ears, listening. And when people, you know, bring things forward, um, honoring that, not just by, you know, appeasing it or in a, in a patronizing way, but truly taking that in and digging a little deeper. That's yeah. what I think it means. I, yeah. We're, we're, we're needing to dig deeper for our kids and we're, we're needing to um, stop and listen. So let me segue here. <clears throat> I'm going to take your comment and what you just said, Ken, and I'm going to tell you, this is an actionable step people could take because now when you hear this and you are a white male, white female, and you see somebody who's not a white male, white female, whatever the race is, whatever it is, remember that that perception whether you are a business owner, you're an employee, or you're just opening the door for somebody at a store, we have to go overboard to acknowledge or see eye contact and say, hey, good afternoon, sir, or let me get that for you. I know as, a, as the sheriff, I go above and beyond to bring relationships closer to me by doing things that I wouldn't normally have done in the past because I wasn't aware. Yeah. And that is acknowledging people, calling them sir or ma'am, younger people, younger than me. Yeah. But if they don't look like me, I go overboard to let them know. And I'm not saying I'm anything special. I'm just saying yeah. I, because of this podcast, yeah. because of my role, I'm conscious of that. Because if I see everybody as, well, if, if you're not me, then then who are you? Or, or I don't yeah. can't relate to you. That's where that separation comes. And that's why shows like this have to do it. So when I say what does acknowledge mean, that's interesting as a, as a school administrator that you have to now lay that out into actionable steps. So my yeah. question to you, Ken, is... Let's just say you're going to come in and you're the free hugs guy coming to ABC school mm -hmm. and, and you're talking to the vice president and you're meeting with his staff and they say, we've got a race relation 
um, opportunity we want to fix. Yeah. We need actionable steps. What would you What would you tell him? Um, I, I think it's actually exactly as he said. Um, it's It's not having to do anything special for people of color, but I think it's recognizing and acknowledging the traumas that uh, people of color have experienced and and just being sensitive in the way that we approach people about things, you know, because even like in the example that I just gave about how I felt checking into that hotel, you know, it was as I was on the way up to the room, I hated that my first interaction See. with her was that I had to be rude to her because that's not who I am. And so I felt like I had to be taken out of character simply to stand up for myself because times where like I'm trying to catch her by eye contact, Seriously. I'm trying to like smile, I'm trying to like do whatever. I'm here with my son. It's 11 o'clock. We're freezing cold. We're from California. It's cold over <laughs> here. Right. And so I'm like, I just want to get to my room and turn yeah. a heater on. And for 15 minutes, I'm not even a human being in front of this and person. Every second that goes by, you're getting more and more, more, and more frustrated. Yep. So now my first interaction, mm -hmm. I'm annoyed. And there's times where we are put in environments or we're put in situations where we don't even realize that we made someone feel like that, you know. Hey, is Nick. that you, Scratch? Yeah, no, yeah. Oh, it's in the briefcase? Oh, no it's, it's Nick. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all good. Hey. Rookie this guy is clearly not bad. It's all good. Unbelievable. <laughs> Leave it in there. Unbelievable. It in there. We'll is it, it God calling him? <laughs> Tell him to turn his phone off? Oh, it wasn't even a good call. That's right. <laughs> it's it's got to be right, working. You're right in the middle. It's all good. just pouring his heart out. No, no, no. Listen, when you work at a hotel. The hotel by Chris's house. Oh, Easy. <laughs> I'm gonna tell but, you. I'm gonna visit her. No, I'm don't, don't, right don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah know, right? And I'm just gonna stand there for 15 minutes until she calls the police. Yeah. I'm like, I am the police. Exactly. Next time my no. friends come here, you acknowledge. Treat them right. Me. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm definitely not saying this to tell on her because you know. Was it's, she cool it's not after? My... Like, do you think it was sincere or what was it, man? I I felt like I had to go overboard after I was rude mm -hmm. to then kind of try and be nice, but then still I was, yeah. I was bothered that I was taken out of character that my first interaction with some like when you're the free hugs guy and it literally says it on my jacket <laughs> I know I don't want my first reaction to, to be hey look I'm just trying to check yeah. into my room this online check-in thing isn't working. can you just push my thing through so I could go but to you my know the other room? Thing I don't too, like talking to people like because that. this perception you don't know and, and let's let's take it back to her you don't know if she just she just got hired a week ago she's never been taught social skills she's never been taught customer service but it doesn't matter because of that interaction you have to jump to a conclusion yes. because that's what has historically been done exactly. when it may not have been that yeah but, but that's what keeps that divide my, going my experiences stories yep. that i've heard from other people yep. times where i will go into yep. a car dealership i'm like i've been walking around this lot no one has come up to me but that white dude just drove up boom instantly everybody's See, on him all these little micro decisions and these little relationships we have every day they actually paint a huge picture of people's lives and a perception you yeah. know so what you say and what you do and what we how we act that does have a role. It's that it could be something so small, but yet it's just another deposit in yeah. this direction or that. Yeah, it, it triggers things in in people. And 
to her, she would probably look at it as like, what's the big deal? I was on a phone call. But to me, yeah. it's bringing up all of these yeah. past times that I was made to feel that way. And so we have to acknowledge that even um, as educators or if we're in school and we're, and we're dealing with a young person and we're like, why did that person act out so much on this little tiny thing? Mm -hmm. You don't know how many other times that person has been in a situation like yeah. that to where that might be the last straw that last time that you made exactly. them and I think that's like that. the takeaway in a school and you asked the question and it was a good one what is acknowledging that like what does that look like mm -hmm. I think that's like step one like barely touching the surface stuff that yeah. that's not going to get it done right mm -hmm. and I think when you're when you're talking about you know how we interact that means we me as an, a high school assistant principal our staff needs to start thinking that way like yeah. this you know really stepping out and trying to get into the, the walking in someone else's shoes mm -hmm. um i know i'm very mindful when i'm sitting in my office um, with a a young black teenager for instance mm -hmm. my life experience is so different totally. than his life experience and you know i try to cut through that with with just like just being honest about it when when the when the time is right mm -hmm. because I think sometimes we get caught up in, in schools, and, and this has been one of our big pushes in, in my particular uh, building, where we, we need to be a little bit more restorative in how we handle situations. In other words, not every mm -hmm. behavior, you know, I think behaviors, you know, are communication. Yeah. And, and you have to really think about what is that behavior communicating? And it's, it's usually not just as simple as an isolated incident. And so when you start peeling back the onion and you start really understanding um, in my case, um, you know, students' experience and yeah. how they feel mm -hmm. at school, that helps us understand a, a, a much bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we have a lot of students, I know in, in, in our situation, we have a lot of students who, who, who may not feel just right now that they belong yeah. or that they fit in. And I think coming off of the pandemic and a lot of other things going on, it's, it's important that we're paying attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... To me, that is that's kind of like the, the the ground level of where it starts, and then yeah, it gets real. You know, with with some really important conversations and actions. Yeah. I think you, you said yeah. it right. It, it's it's uh, and I've I've listened to both of you uh, in the past a little bit. You talk about being proactive. Mm -hmm. It's got to be proactive, no matter it, what your industry is. Doesn't matter if yeah. you're in we a school. We told that to it, tech folks yesterday. If, yep. if you're waiting, if you're waiting for that's things it. to happen, yeah, and you, you think you're going to come up with a solution. Mm -hmm. You're, you're missing the boat. Yeah. You're just missing the big picture. Yeah. So, you know, we try to be really proactive, visible, and, and, yeah. and build a trust because of the humanity that's within us. And and I think we just have to be real about how challenging that is. And you're so. at such an impressionable age, you know, oh, 18, yeah. 12. Sure. I got to tell you, you know, what you just mentioned with that, that student sitting in front of you, when I was growing up as a detective, you know, I started my DB walk in year 2000. So I went to trainings, and they taught me, and I learned – that when someone's sitting across you and committed a crime, 99% of the time you know exactly what the crime was, but you're not there to figure out what the crime was. You already know it. You're there to find out why. Mm -hmm. And when you get the answer to why, you're 90% to the confession. So we would talk to people, we'd confront them, hey, we know that you stole this blue Solo cup, Nick. We're not here to talk about that. Why would you do that? And I learned subconsciously that when you find out the why, that's that, that restoration process. And if we can fix that, he won't steal another solo mm. cup again. Yeah. So last week I had this group come in. They're from a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a school group, all right? 
but I could tell they come from a very poor district. You could just tell, right? And I knew the district. And one of the kids asked a question because they asked me in my role as sheriff. They said, hey, we had a kid who pulled a fire alarm and it vacated the school. What should happen to that kid? I said, well, let me just tell you how to think different. Why did he pull the fire alarm? It wasn't because of fire. Yeah. But what made that kid think, I'm going to pull this fire alarm and I'm going to evacuate the school. That's the big question. Mm-hmm. Not what not not what would happen, all that. Like, is because he wanted attention? Is because what what is and when you go yep. peel those layers back, yeah. then you start seeing like, oh my gosh, this kid has, and I'm just making this up, this kid has felt invisible. He loves attention. It's the only positive attention he gets. Yeah. And it, he thinks it's positive, but actually it's negative behavior. And then and then, you know, fast forward five years, it ain't gonna be the fire alarm. It's gonna be mm-hmm. something much mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. dangerous yeah. because they crave that. If they can't get mm-hmm. positive attention, they're gonna crave some kind of attention and many times it's negative. So always get to the why. Just like that girl, if she would have said, sir, I gotta tell you why I was on the phone. I'm scared, this is my first day. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get off the phone. I'd have a Immediately. lot more compassion. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So let me just say, if you're out there right now and you're in a conflict and that conflict involves somebody, just ask the question why. And if somebody did you wrong and if somebody's asking you, then you tell them why. That's how we get things solved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times, you know, what I found, you know, educators, obviously, they, they are caring people. They're very dedicated. There's, you know, and tons of talent, you know, on our staff. But what I've realized is when, when we know there's a crisis, when we understand like a child is in crisis and it's right there in front of us, everyone pulls together because mm-hmm. we're going to do everything we can for any one of our students. doesn't matter what their behavior record is. doesn't matter how they may have acted out. And, and one of the challenges right now, I think, is there's a lot of students in crisis yeah. and so we're you know we're trying to to manage that and i i'm always you know it's it's this idea that you know if, if behaviors you know are communicating you know they're, they're a form of communication if and i really do believe like that pulling the fire alarm yeah it's it's yeah. It, well, i'm communicating something and then the more we can peel back and try to to figure out the not just the root cause but how we can support a student if you if we tackle it that way you know, and sometimes, and, and I, my building principal is really good at this, he'll, he'll ask parents, a student may do, have done something really just way out of line. And he'll often end the conversation with, okay, so what can we do now to support your student? And it, because if we're trying to get away from the whole idea of this behavior equals this consequence. Yeah. This punishment. And, and, and punishment, when you start there, you, you've created such a narrow lane to actually make progress, yeah. and I, th- I think it's such a disservice. And so, really, kind of opening that up, and you know, believing that you know, if students would, if they can, and so we got to figure out why sometimes people are struggling. And you're basically what you, what I'm taking from that is your principal, and you obviously you share the same heart. He's not only saying how do we support your family and student you're becoming the principal for the whole family now not just the student our administrative team so yeah they, i have there's one other assistant principal she's awesome our principal we have you know counseling staff and i think every school's got a similar setup mm-hmm. um our approach and in, in again this is a lot of this is born out of a lot of reflection i mean we're looking at our we look at the data we're looking at you know how many you know students are failing classes how many phone calls are we making home yeah. How are we, are we reaching these people? Their attendance. Yep. And what does this mean? And it's it's really simple to say, yeah, it's you know, some people just don't have it. They just mm-hmm. chose this. And 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 our tact is, and, and my philosophy is, we got to get to people where they are. So mm-hmm. if they're not checking grades regularly, I'm not going to be 
disappointed in you, mom or dad, who might work a couple shifts or might be a single parent home for not checking someone's grade. I'm going to help you. I'm going to invite you in. And, and how do we help you how check do we, their grades? And how do we get this going? That's and, right. And so it's really the, the support that people need and to understand. Do you like, think most school districts have that philosophy in the country today? I I, w- I want to hope so. <laughs> that's a that's I, a I doubt that. So so here's what we're finding, and, and and then you need to define what crisis is. Yeah, so I got another question. A, so. Those are good questions. I I believe this. So this is part of my challenge. I believe in our hearts, and, and I've heard you talk about law enforcement as, in, in these in similar terms. I really do believe it attracts people who care and have yeah. a, a, a ton they want to give, and and we're empathetic. But I think systemically. We have some challenges because we we haven't really adapted, in my view, um, as a whole. We haven't changed with the times. I mean, we're still starting school at seven fifteen, seven twenty. You tell me a teenage person out there who's ready to learn at seven twenty. Yeah. And we we have the brain research, we have the data, we have the facts, but Everything we haven't changed it. Again. So what time yeah. should they start realistically? In my view, high school should start eight eight thirty. Mm, that's good. Makes yeah. sense. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Get the body running. Nobody thinks clear at the first forty five no. minutes. And so I don't know like... what happened to me on the New York <laughs> yeah. call. Yeah, it's <laughs> you on the New York call. That's my that's my morning walking through the hallways. <laughs> and then add a Pacific time to that. So we're gonna yeah, get you on jet right. lag. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's interesting. So it's... And, and shut the school maybe end sooner or end later. So there, I have a lot of different ideas, and some people look at them like I'm crazy. But I, I feel like you got to start somewhere so some people are opposed to the such what they would call drastic change so i say okay let's have a flex time people who want to start at 7 20 and hang with that let's let's keep that going but let's offer an 8 15 start oh, yeah. time i'm 8 15 all day and, and, and i that i'm in you yeah. know i'm no, i'm a night guy and Me i'm too. showing up at six in the morning because that's my job and i love my job but it's a little tough sometimes yeah. but there's just things we can do to, to to show our students and our families like hey we hear you we mm-hmm. see where you we get you we see where you are um, but in terms of like, you know, pulling, you know, what you asked whether schools are, are thinking the way that I've stated, I think a lot of individuals are. I got it. And here's the challenge. It's, just, it's no different than I've heard you talking. That's right. The challenge is how do we get the momentum and, in, 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 you know, it's kind of that tipping point. When do we get to a place where this is the conversation? Because I got to be honest with you, a lot of our conversations in, in my opinion, a lot of times they're not about the most important things. In, in the education world. In the, that's so my experience. let me tell you how it's going to fix. It's going to take people like you, a thousand of you, a thousand, again, we say this all the time, a thousand of me who are in influential positions of leadership, because we just said our talk yesterday, those are the ones that set the tone to say, I don't need to listen to somebody because we're going to do the right thing and we're going to yeah. do a flex days and this is how we handle this. And yeah. that way it helps those who have talked about it individually because now you have a system change. And, and what I think what you're tapping into and, and what I, I'm noticing with the more I think about big ideas, the people who are coming up with big ideas are surrounded by other people with big ideas. Yeah. And what I'm really, what gives me a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of confidence that, and hope for, you know, making some positive change is people that I talk to, um, you know, their ideas aren't the same as mine, but they're not afraid to take a risk. Yeah. They're not afraid to try something new or to throw something out there. I, I got to tell you, I, I once had, I'll just say, a fellow educator who pulled me aside not too long back and, and challenged me um, in a way that lit a fire. And this person said to me in a critical way, are you an activist or are you an educator? And this was said as, in a way of criticism. Mm. 
as though you couldn't be both. And I thought, you know what? I'm both. That's right. I, I want to make I want to make positive changes. Yeah, that's right. And that's I'm good. gonna get I'm gonna align with people yep. who are open minded. And so and, and it really kind of lit a fire for me. I found other people who who other educators who I know really want to make positive change, and that that kind of keeps you going after 20 years in well, a career. You're with activists and yeah. educators and leaders in this yeah, room. Yeah. I, so, I like that he defended that though. Yeah. Because I feel I'm like both. a lot of people would feel like you need to take a side. Yeah. But I feel like the good educators are the ones that say I'm an activist as well because I recognize that change yeah. is necessary in this space. Well, and you I, know, active means action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to yeah. me, and it, 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 I think it caught me off guard so much. I was like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you what I think. I, but what it really, really sparked for me, and, and I've, I've since met some new people, you know, mm-hmm. through just the, the pandemic is really tough. But one of the things I, I hooked up with this group called the Teach Better team, and they have this administrator mastermind. And it's all these administrators all over the country who are facing these challenges yep. at school. And one of one of them who I got to know pretty well pulled me aside. He said, you got to be you. You've got to, you know, people will will either get on board or maybe they won't but you got to align yourself and be true to, to what you think so i i feel like if we in education can't find a way to get unity after a pandemic yeah then shame on us That's because right, we yeah. it's been the right there for presented us. it's 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 presented to us right on a platter. and let me yeah. just tell you this there's there is a, a a great vast chasm between the person who starts the movement individually to the person who's waiting for someone to start the movement. There's a lot more people that are just waiting for the first person to step forward yeah. and then whoosh, you're gonna have a magnetic force multiplier. Yeah. But it's that first step, man. It's the first guy who says, give me a hug. And now all of a sudden, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it literally is, it's the first school administrator. And that's what changes culture. And that's what brings people together when they're like, time out, we're not doing it this way. Boom, and next thing you know, whoosh. Yeah. Everybody comes and follows. And now I'm lucky. I, I am, I'm lucky because, and I'm, I work with a building principal and my, the other assistant principal who I work with, we're, we're, we're friends and we have a lot of the, uh, the same mindset. Yeah. And that is, that's just energizing. Yeah. Because when you're not, when you don't have that, you, you know, you know how tough that can be. Yeah. So for oh, me, it's, and, it's and huge. If you, and if you have the opposite of that, oh, imagine, I can't, I, I know that, I mean, in my field, in your field, you have people where that in the command they're not the leader, but they have to follow somebody that it's just philosophically yeah. different. And they're so removed from from where they're supposed to be going and how many people's lives are impacted, man. Yeah. It's like leadership, we just talked about again yesterday. Yeah. Leadership is the key to change. It's like you, you kind of want to somehow try and force those people out yeah. that aren't about change. You know, yeah. like that person that confronted you about um, educator or, or activist. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of a, a t-shirt that my buddy wears that says inspire or retire. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, like, that video. Fits, like that fits your space because yeah, it it's the truth. Are that's you here funny. to inspire and create change? Because oh, if you're great. not, you're outdated, man. You got to go. Yeah, and we know? call that boxing them out. You box out, you, you, you know, because you know, the, the, the deal is – and, and I keep looking at this and I think, what's at stake? Yeah. I mean, in, in my situation, more than 1,000 students are counting on us to get this right. Mm-hmm. More than 1,000 teenagers in our community wow. and, 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 and from all different kinds of communities. So whether it's struggling, you've got a lot of socioeconomic struggle, you've, there's, there's racial division, there's divides that, that need healing. 
And this is what's at stake. So yeah. I, I look at it almost it's like... It's not a job. It's not a job. It's either... And, and I had a great mentor, George Karlowski at, at Fenton High School. He, he said to me once, he said, you know, for some people it's a job and for others it's a calling. Yeah, that's right. And... Shoot. I, and and I, I'm, right. I decided, and I've, I've made this very conscious decision, that I, I'm, no, I'm not going to just jump in and go along. And, and I think there's, there's more people who, who have the same ambition. But the reality, too, is like and you've talked about it, um, it, 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 there's institutional and systemic challenge in That's the right. way it's set up. There's yeah. just no way around it. And I'm happy to call it out because it's, uh, you know, sometimes for us, we're talking about the wrong things. Yeah. And, and I just, I get very frustrated yeah. um, when you have all this talent and all this heart in a room and we're using that energy to talk about things that but it's going to take make... guys like you to stay the course, yeah. man. It, a change that is needed may take time to get there, but stay the course and don't get frustrated that it's not happening as fast as you want. You got to stay focused. What is the crisis, and be specific, that you're experiencing in your district that you think is probably happening? And if you don't, yeah, that's fine. I'm sure you've talked to other people in yeah. your in your industry. What does that crisis mean that you're facing specifically? Specifically. I think it boils down to, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, um, I talk about students belonging, I talk about families feeling part of the community, I think, I think that's a crisis, but I think the real crisis is our students are, are looking to us to lead the way on how to do better, how to get along, how to solve conflicts, and the crisis as I see it is, um, is we're not we're not meeting the needs of enough people. They're not feeling heard. They're not feeling um, that you know. When I think, and it's not every student, of course, but when I look out at a, a an entire school and I, I meet with the students I meet with regularly, the unifying theme or the consistent theme is um, where do I fit in this picture here? What yeah. like what's what's in it for me? What's yeah. what's the future going to look like? It's in in as you kind of peel that back and you start talking to people, it's, it's how we interact. Mm-hmm. The humanity of, and I know this sounds big, but like just, you know, yes. it's not going to get solved on, uh, on Snapchat. Right. right. I, I'll be real. I mean, like so much of my yep. day is, is trying to sift through what's Snapchat or Instagram or this, that, you know, group texts. And, and so much of it is, um, it's almost like the, the phone has become, it's a weaponized tool um, in that sense, I know it's wow. not all bad, but it, it really, it's, and it's, it's, how do we solve a problem? I know it sounds so basic, but how do we solve a problem? Because you, you know, and, and that's part of the reason it took me a minute to get up here. It, it, he said, she said that, so, you know, this happened, that happened. That. What are we really talking yeah. about? I mean, what are we really talking about? So, you know how. High schools, when you went, wherever you went, wherever I went, people listen right now, you know that there are <laughs> different cliques. Yeah. There'll always be cliques. There's cliques yep. in life that'll never, ever change. But what's the one thing in education that always brings those cliques together? Well, I, you know, a lot of times in the back in the day, it was like your, your, your after-school activities. Yeah. You so know, what is it right now? Yeah. I, that, okay, so you asked what the problem, I think that you touched on something. I don't know what it is right now. It's in it in a lot of ways. It's still those same things that we identified with sports, fine arts, 
you know, uh, you know, those sorts of things that the things yeah, we do outside all the of school, all the extracurriculars, you know what those are relationship buildings. Yeah, for sure. That's what they are. If, if I had to boil it down to one thing that it is our ability to build relationships through challenge. Absolutely. That's, that's probably the, the mm. biggest, the biggest yeah. challenge and that's relationships with kids. And that's relationships with families. It's pulling pulling everyone into the same. So I want what, what, what was our uh, point number four yesterday? Building relationships. Right there. Building relationships. And we said, when do you build relationships? Yeah, in times of crisis. Yeah. yeah. And, and I get, and this is where I feel a lot of energy and get excited. I look at what we've been through in the last couple of years, and I think if if we can't, we need to do this now. I'm, I'm done saying if we can't. Mm-hmm. We need to do this yeah. now because there's a lot on the line. Yeah. There's Absolutely. a ton on the line. And, Lives and, on the line. There really is. And, and, yeah. and the relationship piece, everything in a school, we, we say it all the time, but I, I, we're living it now. Everything builds out from there. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything in a good school, in your best schools, in mm-hmm. schools that are healthy, in yeah. and, 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 and school communities that add to the community, they, hmm. they all start with the relationship. You can't have a kid come down to that office, you know, yeah. and even, even the students who might, who might make a, a bad choice, Yes, I need to ask you who's who's the one person here who's made the biggest impact on yeah. your life. Mm-hmm. And when I hear a lot of the same names over and over and over again, I know those that's their calling. Yeah. But then, but I also want to acknowledge that you know the absence of that or students who are who don't have that answer after a junior year of high school. The system has failed them. Then mm-hmm. we need to step up. Yeah. And that's on us. Yeah. So I, I do this talk called Seed Planting and Gold, and uh, I take a, an ounce of gold that I bought and I take a bag of barley seed, one pound, and I asked the audience, which of these has the greatest value? Now I paid $1,600 an ounce for the piece of gold and I paid 67 cents for this bag of barley. And they start thinking about it, I'm gonna say the barley. Because when you plant that barley, over time it's gonna reap a harvest that never ends because a barley seed will produce a plant that reduces you know, more and yeah. more and more. But in a hundred years, I'm gonna dig up that ounce of gold and still guess what, it's still an ounce. Yeah. yeah. So when I go back and I look at my journey, the seed planters in my life have all been teachers. Mrs. Olivet, Mr. Williams, my counselor, Avon Burns, Dr. Ellis Perlman. These are the teachers, the people, the educators that said, Chris, take this direction. Chris, don't do this. Chris, don't do that. You guys have a vital role. Everybody in this country, I would like to believe, but I have to believe everybody has some involvement with a school sometime in their life. They may not finish school, but everybody goes to pre-K, mm-hmm. kindergarten, child care. There's always an educator in their life, man. You right. guys have a big job. Huge responsibility. I love, I love our, you know, our teachers, our coaches. I mean, you know, we have staff that, that you know, come in and, and, and don't work for a lot of money. Obviously, they're coming in. We have hallway monitors and even, you know, you know, people who help with tutoring. This, to me, this work is so important that when you, you when you stop and you really take a minute, you know, I, I think of some of our teachers who have, you know, like you said, you mentioned coaches. Those are the same thing for me. Yep. My coaches and my teachers made the difference in my life, and I feel like I'm still benefiting from that. That's right. It's just, it keeps going and going and going. And it's so, a barley seed. It, it is. It really is. And, and there's, it, it's one of those things that I think when you're in it, 
Yep. And this is, you know, as an assistant principal, I, I, I've got a great job. I've got a great, I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate. Luke calls you the vice president. He calls me the vice president. You That's called right. me that earlier. I called you the vice yeah. principal. No, you yeah, said yeah. president. I did. Yeah, I, but I let Thanks, it go Luke. because I was like, I kind of like that. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. No, you said, you did say it. Seriously? Yeah. Gosh, but Luke. I'm telling you, man, the, I, for me, those are the people that, you know, that really Swenson, outside of family made it happen. Yeah, so yeah. vice cool. president Gregory. My service <laughs> president right? Gregory. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's I, I love I love that you all uh, when you reference educators that you include coaches in there as well. And I think as we're as we're wrapping this episode, I think really what it comes down to is especially anyone that's working with youth. Yes. You know, regardless of what your role is, whether you're working in the cafeteria, you're a coach, you're a, a music teacher, whatever it is you all have or we all have because in some sense we all connect with the youth right. you both in law enforcement right. as a speaker and as a speaker and for me as, right. as a speaker especially uh, always talking with high school middle school and college uh, young people i know how important the impact is that we have on their lives and so in closing i i think that just for anybody that works with the youth to know that that message of inspire mm. or retire, that it's important. Like how oh, much yeah. are we inspiring Check yourself. these young people? You know, how much of an impact are we working towards really setting them up for, for a better future? If you remember in my presentation that I gave yesterday, I talked about the coach that found me in oh, the Oh, for hall, sure. Right? Yeah. You'll never forget that. That's in right. the same way that I'll never forget Why Coach you Johnson. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And he pulled and you the, out of the pile. Yeah. He pulled me out. I was invisible. I was literally an invisible kid until Coach Johnson. Even acting invisible. Trying to. Trying to. Yes. Deliberately. Yeah. Because I knew what comes with being visible. Oh, now you guys are going to pick on me. Now you're going to do all of this extra stuff. And so I knew the way to not get bullied is to not be seen. And so. That's powerful. Right. And so when Coach Johnson recognized me look at how much that changed my life. And so when you just said how much you're still benefiting from oh. those interactions, I'm literally still talking about Coach Johnson. So let me just say this, yesterday. check this out. We talk about relationships. Coach Johnson at what grade? Uh, this was in the 11th grade in high All right. school. And you were what, 16, 17? No, I was a, a young 15? junior. I was probably 14 or 15. So let's old. just say 15. Yeah. So Coach Johnson at age 15, is responsible for how we get to where we are right this very second Absolutely. in this room. Absolutely. Because you wouldn't have got into track, you wouldn't have got the scholarship, you wouldn't have ran for Nike, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have put on races, you wouldn't have done the Boston bombing, you wouldn't have done free hugs, yeah. you wouldn't have done activism, you wouldn't have met me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You wouldn't All have met of Luke, those you wouldn't have met along Adam, the way. everything. That's, that's how one relationship can yeah. change the world. Just one from a coach, not even a teacher. He wasn't even my teacher, he was just a coach that recognized this kid. I hope you get this episode, I'm going to send it straight to Coach Johnson. Yeah. We still, and, we and, talk. and I think about this, and I listen as you're saying that. Mm-hmm. Everybody, hopefully, has that one, has that person right. yes. or that team, right? We're, yeah, we're, they we're, should. We're a Let product me... of the people around mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge. Dr. Avon Burns, when I was a freshman at Mott Community College, because I couldn't get into U of M, ended up later switching that all around. I was a kid comes into school. I was arrogant. I was 17 years old. She's like, listen, what do you want to do? I said, I'm going to be a police officer. She goes, go do an internship. I said, where do you want me to do an internship? Sheriff's office. Had no intentions on doing it. At 17, I'm in the sheriff's office doing an internship and the rest is history. So I look back, boom, if it wasn't for Avon Burns, a black 
teacher yep. from my community college where I didn't even want to be, I wouldn't <laughs> be here today. I could go. To, and so everybody's got those people yep. like you said. No doubt. You know what the best part is to be one of those people. Yeah. yeah. That's be a point. coach. Mm -hmm. Be a Dr. Burns. And I know that people in this table, our stories will be told. But imagine people who don't have a story and don't have anything to do with someone else's story. So that's your challenge today yeah. is be someone's coach, be someone's teacher. It doesn't matter what your role. It doesn't take a professional role to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's not everybody's going to have interaction with a police officer. Some people go their whole life and never be pulled over, never call 911, but everybody's going to have a contact we call with them teacher. lucky. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> we call them lucky. So your book, Split, uh, can people buy this thing? You know, it's interesting. No, I just kind of had that made because okay. I, I did the, the photo essay. I didn't want to buy it. I didn't want to add something to hang on to. But for you, <laughs> just 50 dude. bucks. I got it. I got exactly. It. For him, it's 100. Adam, write the check. But this, uh, this book got you on the show, your relationship with Luke and Taylor, but the content that we diverted from this because of that wall and redlining and how we got to see your heart. Man, you are a class act. Absolutely. And I have one final question, and sure. that is I need a horrifically embarrassing story about Luke and Taylor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> hey, I'm talking one So literally <laughs> they're going to try to edit out. Well, I'd, I'd love to add it to the actual show because they, they are responsible for having created one of the worst high school <laughs> uh, films of all time that we call, I'm kidding, guys, well, kind of, Hallway <laughs> Mystical. And oh these two cats, we, we had... <laughs> musical uh, pieces that were weaved in there. We Dude. had some acting where there might have even been might what? have even been a kiss that was stolen oh, on film. Uh, but yeah, so okay. I, I'll leave it there. <laughs> it wasn't Listen. Luke, though. It wasn't Taylor Listen, either. Taylor said he's got a copy of it. And how long is the film? It's two. <laughs> how long is the film? I'm going to say it's probably, what, 28 minutes? Okay. It was a beautiful piece Listen. of art. You got to convert it to digital and include it on this podcast. Just to get at man. least one image. A little at snippet. least it. Exactly. One image I of the cast. See, yeah, I got to see these fellas. Yeah. And, uh, and then everybody watching can make their own conclusions. But these are <laughs> the geniuses behind the camera, Luke and Taylor. This was in the beginning. These were the early days. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, We're talking 2000? Yeah, early, yeah, 2005, six, somewhere yeah. in there. They were, oh, yeah. They, they were comfortable with all this technology. Well, the, the good news is Luke and Taylor still embarrass us. And uh, nothing's changed. Yeah, how about that? That right? sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. Keep believing they're both parents, and, and they've had, they're married. I'm telling you, I, it yeah. blows me away. I In know. Fact, it. After this, I'm gonna have to catch up. On My a few son things. works for them now. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I know it. Wow. Yeah. This. I'm telling you, that's the. That's. This is probably. All joking aside, one of the joys of teaching, and these guys are gonna gonna hear it from me after. I'll I'll give them a hard time, but it is kind of cool. It's a, it's it is, one man. of those things, man. You get to. I mean, I was there when they were like squirrely and they sophomores still, and juniors. Just before yeah. this, Luke, and he's like, I, I know you're Nick, but I can't, I got to call you Mr. Gregory. That's respect. <laughs> respect. Always. That's respect. Yeah, I can't call Coach Johnson art. Like, no. I, I would never. He's coach, no. man. Yeah, I talked to my, my, my coaches on the, I called my JV basketball coach about a week ago. I said, yep. he's still coach. Yeah, that's yeah, it, where, It's just the way it is. Well, hey, listen, so. we appreciate you, man. You're, uh, you're a joy to have and uh, keep doing what you're doing and be a change agent. Um, thanks, uh, likewise, you guys yeah. are very inspiring. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank this you. Thanks for tuning pleasure. in. Go out there and reach out to somebody right now. Inspire or retire. Coach. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on the other side, if you ain't inspiring, you got to go. Yeah. Retire. Those on the receiving end, go tell your coach or teachers. Thanks, man. You changed my life. See you next time.